Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. This is episode 28. Yeah, baby, baby, baby. We've made it. <laughs> we have. We're getting very old now. How are we going, guys? Well, we're fed up. <laughs> For, literally. <laughs> we're literally just eaten. <laughs> so uh, welcome, a, welcome along, Skip Parker. How, uh, how's your week been so far? Uh, look, I've been stuck in bed with tech. And oh, it sounds yes. a bit dodge, but it's not. I've actually been quite crook, but I've been playing around with a few bits of gadgetry while I've been lying on my back. So, Oh, good, good. And Brad? Yeah, oh, look, I had a great weekend with Connect. I, we got Fruit Ninja for Connect, <laughs> and Skip's been laughing at me because... Oh, I saw the videos on that. It, it looks really entertaining. stunning. If you've got a Connect device and you want to see just how much fun a four- and a seven-year-old kid along with their old dad can have... It is the one. Of the, it is the best game I've played in a long time. It's five out of five. Um, yeah, I definitely have a have it, have it playing. So, but other than that, I've been I've been really good. I've had a few stressful moments this evening, which I can't really talk about why. But uh, everyone here is laughing at me in the studio because it's a yeah. I've got an NDA on what I can talk about, but it's all good now. Oh, happy chappies! Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, good start to the week for me. Had an interesting uh, weekend uh, doing some work with a bit of uh, a bit of technology. That, didn't always play ball, but um, we managed to coax it into the right direction, so that was a bit of fun. And definitely looking forward to a few interesting topics we've got on the agenda tonight. So, uh, yeah, let, let, let's dive in. Now, first up, there's a new web show that is launched in New Zealand focused on social media. Now, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to uh, to look at it, uh, but I went to the launch for this uh, last week, and uh, I know you guys were tied up, so I didn't get the chance to uh, to check that out. Uh, but there's a yeah, new, new web show uh, called Social Life. Uh, we will put a link to that uh, online after the show. So for those that uh, those that want to have a look, um, and that's um, that's being delivered in conjunction with the social media NZ guys. So uh, yeah, congrats to them for uh, for getting their first episode of their new show online. Yeah, it, it looks really interesting. I'm just having a quick look at it, and they've got already quite a slick way they've put it together. It looks really professional. Not actually. really really well produced. Yeah, they've they've got a pretty good uh, pretty good crew uh, putting it putting it all together. Um, and yeah, they they actually put on a a, um, a really good little party um, late last week at the uh, Burger Fuel uh, Global Headquarters in uh, in Grey Lynn, and uh, yeah, quite a nice little shindig actually. So uh, and a good good turnout. Uh, so yeah, well worth a look if you're interested in uh, in social media or, or just interested in seeing what's uh, what's being done in terms of other um, online online media here in New Zealand. Is it only through YouTube? Can we get it through iTunes or Zoom or any other channels at this point in time? Um, I actually haven't had a look, so I couldn't answer that. But uh, look them up, and uh, yeah, okay. I'm sure you'll you'll find all the info there on online. So uh, yeah, we we might try and get uh, uh, one of them in on uh, on the show on a future episode just to hear a little bit more about how they pull all that together because uh, it's you know it's entirely uh, digital type uh, production and uh, quite quite well done cool 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 yeah. now you've been a busy boy over the weekend not work but doing some stuff that we should have done about 26 episodes ago yeah well, <laughs> ac- well, ac- well actually I wrote an article uh, probably about two months ago and something we promised to put online was 
how do you get up and running Netflix and Hulu and Amazon video, those sort of things, how do you do that in New Zealand in a manner that's not just you know straight through your PC? It's reasonably easy to get that up and running on a PC or a laptop. But how do you do that so you've got your own uh, network that you can plug Xboxes and and you know other gadgetry into, um, such as a Roku box, which which we've all been talking about in the last few weeks? And uh, Brad Brad did most of the sort of groundwork on on getting this up and running um, last year and and testing it, and then a few of us have 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 played around and done similar setups to test it out. And uh, what we've done there is just basically documented that up and. Yeah, being a little bit of a perfectionist, I wanted to get it absolutely right before we put it online. Uh, but then I realised that that probably would never happen. So uh, we've put online a little article of of the basics of how to do it, uh, the hoops you need to jump through, what the gear is that we recommend and, and have tested it with. Uh, that's on the nztechpodcast.com website. So go there and have a look. Definitely keen for people to post up their comments and questions and so on. And, uh, you know, between us and, and other listeners, then uh, there'll be a chance for people to, to give their feedback and so on. So I've already actually had a question from a, from a listener already, actually. They, they tweeted me over the weekend. They wanted to know what the difference between or why we were using DDWRT. And for those that are you that are listening, you can do it two ways. You can do it what I call a hardware VPN, where we've got a router doing the VPN connection into um, wherever you need to go, or you can do a software-based VPN connection. So there are some other options where you can do a software. The DDWRT is router firmware that allows you to do a hardware-based VPN connection. And I know all that sounds pretty technical if you're not so techy, but um, the way we've put that online, we do try and break that down to a reasonably easy process yep. uh, in, a, in a manner that sort of makes sense without you having to be a complete uh, you know, tech head to be able to get it working. Lots of feedback from the chat room tonight saying that they've actually all been doing the same thing on Netflix and it works really, really, really well. With, with our document? or uh, Some have, some haven't. Some have yep. done it themselves. but um, Cool. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Oh, that's good. We'll, we'll keep those things going. Um, it, you know, sometimes it can be a day or two before we get to all of the comments on the the website. But yeah, do keep that stuff uh, coming, or you know, shoot tweets out. Uh, and yeah, we'll definitely try and uh, try and help people out that are, that are keen to yeah. uh, to to test it. And we'll update things along the way with the article. I, I imagine from time to time based on based on that. Yeah, don't be afraid to tell us if we get things wrong too because we do sometimes every now and then I do okay it's just me but um, <laughs> yeah like just let us let us know where we have got some of those articles because we're just trying to write a lot of different documents at the moment for people in different publications so yeah, you can help us out would be great mm. now for those that uh, maybe haven't caught one of the earlier shows and wondering well what's this whole Netflix thing about really just as a, as a recap uh, you know, Netflix is a service that's offered in the US and there are a number of these services that allow you to watch TV and, and movies online they're designed uh, targeting the U.S. market, uh, but there are you know legal and legitimate techniques that you can also subscribe to these services from uh, from outside of the U.S. And that that's really what uh, what those processes we've documented are, are all about: how to get plugged in without sort of going and just stealing and pirating you know, movies and content online, but doing it in a way that sees uh, the originators of this content actually get get paid for their content. Totally. Uh, and yeah, I mean, we're looking forward to the day when this will be much more accessible in New Zealand. There's a little bit accessible through things like iTunes and Zoom uh, at the moment, and of course, you've got uh, you know TVNZ and TV3. You can go onto their websites and replay a bit of TV, and usually in low def. 
uh, and uh, Sky have their um, their online service as well. So there's there's a few options opening up, but uh, they're they're not particularly mature just yet. No. And you, you mentioned a quote, one more question I had was someone didn't sort of think we could get high def. You, you can get high def. Um, I've been able to watch some TV shows in HD, um, but it does vary based on your, what your internet connection is. So it just, But it, it works beautifully, yep. whether it's standard or HD. It's lovely. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, there are there are some tweaking you can do with this, the settings. And, yeah, in some cases, if, if you want the most consistent stream, if you wind down the, the quality setting in Netflix... Uh, then you don't you don't get any of those occasional pauses, uh, but again those things will vary on your connection and the um, the VPN provider that you go through. But we're generally seeing pretty pretty good results, I have to say. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So um, we've had a, we've had people spending money, and we've had a busy one today with twelve billion dollars getting spent. Yeah, I noticed that uh, that one over, overnight. Google uh, decided to splash out and. Um, and you know Motorola, who has, I think sort of been splitting their business up in recent years, have uh, the mobile phone division of Motorola has, has been sold to uh, sold to Google. Well, yeah, they put the offer in, and it's obviously got to go through the same well, the hoops and barriers everybody yeah. else has to. But the board are giving it their stamp yep, of totally. approval, and uh, you know usually these things get regulatory approval processes without too much drama. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's been interesting because Skip and I were having a, a chat before we got into the studio around, it, it's been such a mixed feedback out there. We've had, I've seen, I've been reading a lot of articles about this. Two things happened. Apple shares went up in value and so did Microsoft shares. Yeah. Um, but a lot of, I've seen a lot of open source people getting quite uh, upset about it. And I've seen a lot of people questioning what's going to be happening now with LG, HTC. And I know Google have got the, the sound bites from those respective hardware manufacturers already, but... Now they've got a platform which is theirs, which is Motorola. Now you've got LG and all the other ones which are Android-based. They're gonna they're gonna have to walk a fine line to, to make sure everyone's on the same playing field. Yeah, the the interesting you know there were two two takes on it. One when I when I read their press release that listed off their the official comments from uh, the the competitors to Motorola, the other mobile uh, um, uh, manufacturers that are using the Android operating system that Google uh, produces. Each of the quotes sounded exactly the same. I mean, the wording of it was virtually identical. It was sort of, yes, this has our stamp of approval, etc. I don't know if one of you guys has, has got it there on the screen, but when you when you went through, each was additional, so it was it was looked as though it had been scripted for them and they just had to accept that they were willing to make that statement. And I think it's so early in the game, of course they're going to accept that, you know, they're, they're not... What else good. are they going to do? It's not, there's not too much else they can do because they're, they're out selling these phones today. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not sure quite what the, what the future holds in those regards. I'm, I don't fully understand why they've done it. There's a few takes. One of it, uh, one, of the, one of the thoughts is that Google maybe needs the patents that yeah. uh, Motorola has. See, it's patents. It's, all, it's been three weeks of patents, po- hasn't it? Possibly. Uh, or it might be that they want full control over their operating system and devices and, you know, longer term... They they actually want to sell the devices themselves. I'm not sure that's that doesn't you know sound too logical, but there's a possibility there. They want to own that whole space a bit more, and that with their uh, with the Google branding behind Motorola, that they can uh, build it up back from a 12 billion dollar business into a yeah you know, hundred million dollar uh, hundred billion dollar uh, you know phone 
business again. So with, with Honeycomb, they've, they've, they haven't released that. One of the articles I was re- reading was said they haven't released that as sort of like the open source like they did with Gingerbread and Froyo and the other ones. So they have been moving a little bit more closed with what they're doing. Um, yeah, look, it's a weird one where there's so many um, variants they could go off right now. But yeah, I don't know. My gut feeling tells me they're actually going to go out, brand it themselves and control the hardware and put a, a Google type phone um, into market and it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah oh well we will we will see in time now oh yeah this is my one I, I think yeah I think you need to um, you need to read read this this, <laughs> this, this line out Brad <laughs> so look I put it out there to all the listeners. Are we really that dumb in New Zealand that we get we got scammed for they estimate seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in New Zealand to online to scammers? On, These online are the scammers. guys that are calling up and saying, "Hello, I'm your friendly Microsoft agent, and look, I just happen to have noticed you've got infected by a virus." Give and me your credit card. Yeah, but look, I mean, I, look, and everyone's <laughs> going to say, "Well, how do they get to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars?" We don't know. We don't know. This is an article that was in, gone around on the web for a while. But I really wanted to just put it out there to you guys and to the online chat at the same time. Is that is it? Is that seriously? Have we? Have, do you guys know of anyone that's actually been scammed recently? Because I've only I know one person in my entire life that's been scammed. Skip. I think the number's quite low, actually. To be fair, really, I reckon it is. I mean, it seems like a lot of a lot of money, but I, I think there is probably. Oh, I mean, in the overall population, I don't think that's a very bad number. I think there's probably a few idiots in the population of New Zealand, but not many. I think every day people are getting scammed, yep. including you and me in one way or another. So this is just another form of another form of it. I mean, I've, I've, I've brought some mobile phone apps. I've been scammed. Yeah, oh, look, <laughs> I, I just I just suppose I had higher hopes that we were a bit more sort of clued up. I don't know, but there was a report. Um, I saw at KiwiCon a couple of years ago where they actually looked at different, um, uh, I think it was uh, different levels of security across the country for servers and stuff like that. And New Zealand didn't actually come off too bad. I mean, a lot of other countries are really, really bad. But um, I think New Zealand's not too bad in the old um, stupid PC user um, sort of market. Okay. All right. Maybe, look, I had high expectations. My the benchmark in my head was very high that we wouldn't be this way. So, if, if like, and the chat room's telling me that's only fifteen thousand people at fifty dollars a person. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Look, the the figure's probably ten or a hundred times high in Australia. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> I just made that figure up yeah. on the spot, as most stats are. But hey, just got to pull that one out of there, aren't you? Why don't you just pick, sorry, sorry pick the United me. States and Texas and just do the whole pick? Sorry to any Australian listeners. Uh, it was genius. Yeah, oh, no, look, I just, I just read that one. I just thought I'd bring that up as a discussion point because I just couldn't <laughs> believe that myself. But anyway, look, let's move on. I'll, I'll, it's not a rant. It was just a... It's actually what it probably does say is that Paul and I are guilty of online scams and we're not going to admit it. Again, this goes back to our weekly um, thing. Please be careful with your passwords. No one from Sky or Microsoft or any bank will ever call you up and ask for your passwords or user account details. Never give them out. Always ask and don't be afraid to get their details and call them back. So, And again, A1, B2, C3, D4 is not a secure password. Right, so Wi-Fi coming to a school near you. Yeah, this is this is cool. I like this. This is an innovation been used, don't you think? It's I think it's really good. It's really good to see um, that schools are starting to take you know 
bigger steps forward in terms of technology and connecting, uh, you know, connect, getting their schools and their students and so on all connected up online. Yeah, so could we, the, the school is Rangitoto College here in Auckland. Yep. They're, it's my old school. Think, oh, good. Yeah. Oh, congratulations, Skip Parker. Good school. Great school. Mm. Well, it, it looks a lot better to me now. I didn't really know anything about it other than I think they're the biggest school in the country. Yeah, 3,200 students or something. Man, things have grown. Back in my day. Oh, gosh. Burnside High School in New Zealand was the biggest school in the country. What two? And we had about two thousand people, wow. or just or just over somewhere around there. So, wow, things have grown, eh? Nineteen fifties, huh? Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. So, um, so yeah. So they've they've put together a, a a plan, and I think they're part way or, or a long way through implementing that, which will deliver Wi-Fi right across their school. And they're they're uh, talking a sort of a BYOC type model where students will be able to bring their own computers, or uh, you know that could be a, a PC, a laptop, a netbook, um, a, you know, a tablet such as an iPad or an Android uh, device. Uh, but they're not going to support smartphones on this network, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that is kind of interesting, actually. I was just going to make a statement, but then I suddenly realised that would be wrong if I made that. So, yeah, that is very interesting. I mean, very, I very interesting. I thought the um, some of the worst offenders for Wi-Fi use were the likes of the iPads. Well, I mean, yeah. they were like four times the average uh, Wi-Fi use than other devices. So, Well, they're good if you want to watch, you know, if you're a bit bored at school and you want to watch TV. <coughs> You can sort of go online and, uh, you know, hook into YouTube and, and various other bits and pieces, but... I mean, you know, that aside, obviously there's there's a lot of, you know, practical, you know, benefits of a device that, that's small small and light um, like that. But, yeah, I can see there will be a challenge in terms of, um, uh, you know, how they, you know, make best use out of their, their internet connection. They've got a really fast connection. They've got, uh, I think it's a gigabit connection to... Yep. Um, I was just about to say, it's a gigabit connection yeah. on the North Shore Education Access Loop. So, right. that, yeah, I mean, this is effectively the type of connection that every school in the country will, you know, or the, you know, the, yeah, will pretty much, you know, every uh, school within the country will have access to uh, that's able to connect to the new, um, you know, fibre optic um, broadband network. Uh, but at the moment, there's a fairly limited number that have access because they're already, you know, they're already set up, already going. Uh, enabling Wi-Fi is a pretty logical next step for them. Man, there's going to be torrents coming out of their ears in Rangitata College. Yeah, I'd say they're going to lock that one down somehow. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, um, throwing technology at students, especially kids, um, they're bright kids. I mean, they'll they'll figure ways through these things. So I think it's going to be an interesting test case. And Rangitata College is a huge property. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of access point gear there. Well, is, it, it's 100 and, is it 124 or 142, something like that, access um access points or something going around the properties or something that was talking really insane. insane. Yeah, look, it's good. I, I think this is great. We we need more schools doing this level of innovation. We need the universities doing this. It, it just makes us a more wide and connected, you know, infrastructure that we've got because at the end of the day, whatever the platform is, whether it's open source, proprietary, Apple, Microsoft, whatever it is, it just means that they've got the ability to, to use it. They're not getting honed into one technology. So it's quite good. Now I'm gonna. I've got a little bit of a bugbear about schools. Oh. To be honest, I, I mean, I went through a um, uh, helped out a 
prim- uh, principal that actually lost his job over internet usage at um, the school. And the thing is that um, schools have, and I'm, I'm just going to say it, they have appalling, absolutely appalling management policies around internet, around um, computers and all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, I'm comfortable with Ringer to the College have probably got the nous to sort of get through this, but a lot of schools just don't have the skill set in-house to be able to manage some of the stuff. So I'm really nervous about this idea of rolling out Wi-Fi in schools. It's potentially unsafe for the kids and it's actually potentially unsafe for teachers as an employee of the school because they could potentially get themselves into trouble Um, and and it's not actually their fault which was the case we can talk about this another day well no you were telling us there was a situation you know the situation and and i don't know if it's the same one where you know someone had some malware or something on their system and you know led you know you end up with pop-ups and other things coming up on your system that you might not otherwise be looking at and then you're held accountable for, oh, look, we found, you know, you and had opened yeah. up this porn image on your computer. Yeah, that was um, exactly the case. The um, the malware had brought all this image stuff down onto the machine. We actually can prove that, and the uh, guy still lost his job over it. It's just some of these things, these archaic thought patterns around how we manage our internet and actually put in some proper policies of managing our internet and internet use and computer use at schools. I mean, I, I've got friends who are teachers saying, you know, well, you know, I want to bring my own computer into the network. I'm just like, hey, if I'm a teacher at a school, I wouldn't touch a computer because potentially if anything on that machine becomes my fault. So it's a big risk, I think, a big risk that needs to be looked at. Is this Skip's rant this week? Yes. I was about to say, I had a rant one last week and then there's your one this week. So. <laughs> I'll rant about this forever because this guy lost his job and, it, and it's still not being addressed. And I, I really, yeah, it's the school, the education system really needs to have a think about how they manage this stuff. Yeah, def- definitely a challenge, and it's not necessarily an easy an easy one to fix. I can, you know, I can imagine that Rangitoto College is going to have their fair share of challenges, and there'll be a lot of cost associated with with some of those challenges that come along from you know the amount of extra data they use to actually you know policing this thing. I imagine they're going to have to have an individual login for each user that accesses the wireless network, so that if there is any abuse of the system, they they can link that back to an individual user. But as we know, you know, uh, it can be reasonably hard for, you know, for people to keep hold of those passwords, keep them secure and, you know, for them not to get shared or for other people to sort of hack their their passwords. So, you know, you could end up with kids getting expelled for data that someone else has has downloaded and so on. So, yeah, there's there's definitely uh, (laughs) at least one or two challenges that, uh, you know, I would be interested to see how they address them. Uh, but it's great having a major school uh, like Rangitoto College that's able to address this uh, up front. And I think that will sort of you know, break some ground that will make it easier for other schools to follow in their footsteps uh, that you know, maybe aren't quite as well funded or uh, you know, don't have the same uh, level of leadership that they have. Um, and, and that'll make it easier for other schools to come on board in the future. So good stuff. Citrix. Yes, this is cool. I'm a fanboy about this. Tell us, tell us more, Mr. So look, Brad Server Guy. So look, Citrix does a lot of cool products, and I'm, I'm a bit of a fanboy of their products. But they've now got a Citrix receiver for Chrome OS. So you got this cloud-based netbook, and you've now got the Citrix receiver, which allows you to get your virtualized applications off a. Zen or Hyper-V or, or VMware environment and you can actually now publish those and have those inside your Chrome netbooks. So it's just gone uh, technical preview. You can download it from uh, citrix.com forward slash Chrome OS 
it's not version one it'll be coming at version one will be the released one but um, I think this is cool I think this is that it shows that you know they're doing um, this the receivers for um, the HP touchpad which we're going to talk about a little bit later on which we've been reviewing all week but they're, they're really quick at getting these um receivers they call them out to market which allows you to hook into those virtualized um, environments and get you know your windows or your um, line of business applications on, on different devices so oh, i think this is cool um, i like them cool yeah no that um, is definitely good i mean this is really uh, you know a product targeted at um you know primarily at larger larger businesses but you know there's there's certainly a lot of uh, New Zealand organisations that fit into that space where they use uh, the Citrix type tools and the ability to you know link in and use a non say a non Windows device like uh, like a Chromebook to actually access these Windows applications that are sitting you know somewhere within their organisation uh, yeah has some uh, has some cool uh, cool possibilities now phishing attack on Gmail users now. There's been a whole lot of this stuff going on, hasn't there, for quite yes. some time. Um, now, this this latest one, you've done a, a good bit of uh, research into this one, Brad? Yeah, well, look, this, this piggybacks on exactly what you just said. There's been these, these attacks and these accusations going from Google that the Chinese were actually trying to get into um, Gmail accounts. And there's been a, a latest round come through. So I'm just going to read the quote here. It says, Victims get a message from an address of a closed associate or collaboration organization, which is spoofed. Um, they then try and get Gmail users to respond, which has the message crafted to give them their username and passwords, and it's only going out to Gmail accounts. Now, G- Google is saying they've traced this back to Ch- in, in China, and for some reason, there just seems to be a real attack coming from China, people in China, the hackers in China, which is where they say that or, the base Or at least Chinese IP addresses. Chinese, yeah, IP addresses, to the Gmail accounts for some reason. And it's we're seeing this more and more. And this has been going on since, oh, May this year, I think it is. So this latest round is apparently very, very sophisticated. So if you are a Gmail user and you do get requests, again, for username and passwords, do not give them. It's not real. Yes, Skip, with a hand up. <laughs> That's right. Um, <clears throat> doesn't Gmail support two-step authentication now? Yes. And I, I'm using that on the Google Apps side of things. It actually works really well, and it will text your phone if you don't have the app on your phone. Do you want to explain what that means to some of our listeners? Okay, so I've switched this on. I log on tell to... Tell us what two-factor two two authentication is generally. Okay, okay, good. So I've switched this on on Google. The way it works is I log on to um, Google Mail with my usual username password, which could be snaffled by anybody mm-hmm. um, in a sort of a phishing attack if I was um, so duped, shall we say. And um, then once it logs in, it actually asks me for a verification code. Now, I can have an app on my Android or my iPhone, which would actually um, give me that verification code I can enter in. Or if I don't have that in front of me or I don't have the app, it will actually allow me to text. It'll text the number to me from Google to my phone or actually will ring me and tell me the number across the phone. Do you pay for that text? No, it's free. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Um, and I use it a lot. I mean, it's just my, my Google account actually is attached to the my Google business account, which actually has um, a whole heap of access to a whole heap of stuff in there. So, you know, I want to be careful with that sucker. Yeah. So we need to, if we want to bust into all your accounts, Skip, we need to uh, grab your, your phone for a minute while we, while we do it in order to do that. So we'll wait until you're out of the room. You've left your phone on the uh on the recording. Studio. That's right. The password's password anyway. So A one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with the zero. 
uh, administrator password. Yeah. <laughs> but no, look, it's just interesting that there's been these rounds going through. It's becoming more and more. Um, obviously, Gmail is really, really popular. And, and, and it is based on countries. I think they do target it because Hotmail is big in Europe and stuff like that. So, yeah, we're just seeing a lot of Gmail um, phishing attacks sort of coming out this part of the world. So just watch out for those ones. Good, good. Now, Xbox. Yes. They've changed the style of the, I think it's a 250, um, the 250 gig models that were all flashy and shiny. Yes, Skip, with a hand up again. And no longer so flashy and shiny. Didn't they turn it into R2-D2? Yes, they have. There's a special edition. Well, let's talk about that in another episode because <laughs> Sorry, I could I just, go. I just thought about that. That's connect Jedi ninja game um, but yeah so what's <laughs> happened is that for those of you that have, uh, are aware the Xbox uh, 360 250 gig edition is a is a beautiful glossy uh, kids nightmare because every every child puts their fingerprints all over it and um, basically it is just fingerprint heaven it looks like last year's Samsung TVs that were all sort yes. of shiny yes. which again this year they've changed the style a little bit Correct. it's kind of like cars the style just changes every five yeah. minutes so what they're doing now is they basically come back with a plain matte looking Xbox which will be the um, standard that goes out for all one, all um, Xbox 360 slims now um, and, and look I mean Personally, I actually quite like the glossy one. Um, the matte one's a bit boring, if you ask me. But anyway, look, they're just changing it over. So if you do like the gloss, go out and buy. They're dirt cheap. Uh, Skip saying, how much are they at the moment? They're about, f- I think, I keep seeing 499 with a connect and a game at some of the New Zealand retailers, but I'm sure you can get them cheaper somewhere. Uh, that might be the 4 gig one, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I don't any, know. Anyway. Yeah, um, it's, it's pretty cheap. I mean, compared to a lot of other consoles, it's pretty cheap. Now, I was actually thinking more along the line, are they, are they dropping the gloss because it costs too much to make it glossy? Oh, or? I have no what idea. What other consoles are they cheap compared to? I'm not going to say. Oh. I thought they were, that, that the pricing now it's sort of fallen into line no, still a lot, a lot still more not. between the uh, no, between the consoles no, there's a gap so, there is still a gap yeah, but the Wii has come down in price hasn't it That that's now sort of sharp sh- more uh, sharper pricing here in yes. uh, um, here in New Zealand It's but the PS3 with its uh, Blu-ray is still commanding a bit of a bit the, of a higher price point is, the is, Wii is a bit of an odd bod because it sits in a space that's not quite full console hmm. um, but it is I mean it is full console but it's not quite it's really um, let's just say that Nintendo's done a supreme job at marketing that puppy in the right space they're amazing at that yep. very very clever but yeah I mean and, and the thing now is that obviously the, the premium pl- price you play for the PS3 because of the Blu-ray player but now with everything online See, Paul, that's what the sort of argument I was going to try and avoid because yes. we'll just get into this PlayStation Three versus Xbox. Well, I like both, so I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we're going to we're going to get into a into a fight about it. But I do have to say that my preference is <laughs> that's right. Commodore yeah. sixty four, and all the other ones are rubbish. The chat room's now going to explode <laughs> and debate. Yeah. There's going to be a few fights going on. Uh, but no, I mean seriously, it's great that. Um, you know these products keep getting tweaked and, and adjusted, and you know that we've got a, a chunk of competition in that in that gaming console space. And also, um, Nintendo have got their next one sort of, you know, on its way as well. So there, there's a fair bit going on there. It's yep. gonna be a good Christmas. Yep. Oh, be great yeah. Christmas. Not too shabby. Now, Apple, for a brief period in time. Were the most valuable company in the world. Is that's, that right? That's yeah, they were. Impressive. For about 12 hours, apparently, they yeah. were the number one company, and then the share market went, and then they went back down again. So, but they, but they, but they're right up there. That's, oh yeah, that that's the point in terms of their, looking at their market cap, which is only one way of, of, 
you know, valuing a, a, a company. But, um, yeah, pretty interesting. But, I mean, so uh, there was a lot of media attention around this. I mean, it was, again, front page stuff in Sydney Morning Herald. Go figure. But, um, but like, what does that really mean? I mean, look, they're an amazingly profitable company, but does that mean that they've just got a lot of cash in the bank? What, what does that actually mean for them? Is it just more of a status symbol? What did you guys think? I mean, I just get on Reddit going, and it does it make them what? I think it makes them one of the most successful companies in the world. I mean, mm. when you think about how quickly they have grown in the last couple of years, uh, especially around their genius, I mean, the iPod yes. um, is... Uh, the iPod and iPod Touch and all that sort of stuff is just the iPhone is just a genius product, market world leading market product. Totally agree. 100%. Um, and so yeah, Steve Jobs and his team have done an incredible task to try and get that market. And when you think about it, they haven't actually got all the market share. I mean, they like to think they've got all the market share in some of their presentations. That is actually an impressive amount of cash for the market share that they have. Yeah, they're sitting on sort of between 60 and 70 billion uh, US in cash, something like that. Uh, yep, yeah, yes. Uh, yes, actually 72, I think, was the word. Because at one stage they had more cash than the US government. Yeah, they could bail hand. it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, their disposal. But, but no, it's just interesting. I was just reading it. I just wanted to get you guys' opinion on what it really meant to you guys. And that's a great point. I mean, they, they, they have, and they're going to keep growing with obviously the iPhone 5, which we'll talk about in a second, and the, and the new additions of X and Y that we hope to see. Um, it'll just get bigger and bigger. My only concern is that what happens to the company when if Steve moves on? Well, that's Steve the, moves yeah. On. And, I mean, that's the only thing is that, at least with Microsoft, there's some sort of succession planning that happened there with Bill Gates moving on. With Apple, there doesn't seem to be any um, major people moving on. So, I, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting uh, scenario. The iPhone 5. Yes, now, lots of this keeps of talk. coming up. Every week there's a new little rumor around iPhone 5 or some little... You know, possible leak and and so on. What what's this week's one? What I'm hearing is skip. Let's start our own rumor. It's being delayed till December next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had our we had our rumor mill thing last week, but um, France is it? There's yes. one of the carriers there who are uh, been advertising a job for someone to work with marketing or you know so on. Around and I think they actually mentioned iPhone five mm. as their as their title, which and could mean could mean anything, right? No, but they had one other line in there: iPhone five and cloud marketing. Oh, so this was the, this is where everyone got oh a bit excited and there's a little bit of verba going on. Was it sort of like it was um it was it orange? No, was it orange? Yeah, 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 Orange was the carrier, which yeah. is one of the yeah, big French European carriers. And it was sort of like the first time where they've actually started to say, okay, the iPhone 5 and the cloud, and they're going to start pulling it together with iCloud and everything. And, and apparently they had to retract it pretty quickly because Apple did what Apple does, which is use that $72 billion punch that they've got at the moment <laughs> and got their head removed pretty quickly. But it's interesting that we're starting to see jobs coming up specifically around the iPhone 5 and the cloud system. So it's good. So I have a question. Do, could I mean we could read all sorts of stuff into this, but could it be that you know we're used to at the moment you sign up a phone contract and you get a free phone or a discounted phone? Could it be that part of that uh, part of that phone contract sort of sign up is you actually sign up for some cloud services to go with it? So at the moment you know you might f- sign up for at, you know home for a home phone and a home uh, internet connection to go with it. That's kind of bundled together. That's a deal you get a free router or you get free whatever to go with signing up that for X period. 
could it be that from uh, September, if that's when the iPhone 5 launches, that Apple will, uh, the deal that they'll have with carriers is that if you're going to sell the iPhone 5, uh, you must also sell it with some sort of iCloud uh, subscription as well for a term that lines up with the same term as your phone. What do you guys think? Am I, am I nuts? Has this been predicted elsewhere and I'm just copying it from somewhere? No. Or is that, or is that really what peop, other people have sort of picked up from that job posting? Or yeah. Well, well look, we can speculate that the cows come out, but it has, it has some, some merit on what you're saying is, is that there is going to be this combination of services when you, when you do get your phones now. So um, I think we see that with the Windows phone where you pretty much get a, you have to get a live account to really make the thing kick into life. So yeah, yeah I can go. I'll give you that one. So Skip, yeah, it's not convinced. Well, it'll be well. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. But remember, Apple have that power with yeah. the telcos to be able to say, "This this is how you play the game." If you if you want to sell our product, so they they potentially could uh, just make that part of the offering that has to go out to the market. Yeah, I don't know, and I, I just wonder that they probably will go down that path. I'm, I don't disagree. I just think they're going to end up running into a pricing battle quite quickly with the other players. I mean. Microsoft will just, I mean, you can get SkyDrive and everything for free anyway with Windows Phone 7, so... Well, yeah, and that brings competition over time, and we've seen the same thing with some of Apple's, you know, cloud services, you know, locate my phone type features and things like that, that they were charging for, and then, you know, others just make that a part of their their value proposition, and, and you know, they come to the par- uh, you know, they come to the, the party with something similar. So, um, yeah. Oh, well, it's... It, as long as we keep some competition in this space, I don't think it's anything for anyone to worry about. That would be my uh, my, well, my suggestion. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the iPhone, there really isn't any competition in New Zealand, is there? I mean, it's all provided by Vodafone, um, so they they set the price and that's it. Well, no, Apple's but I mean, they're, they're not not competition between Apple and Apple, but I mean competition between Apple and 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 competing products. Right. I mean, if you want an iPhone, and and I guess that's part of what. Apple plays off. If you want an iPhone, then you'll have to buy it how they choose to sell it. Uh, you know, it's not quite the same as oh, look, I want Android or, or Windows Phone, um, where you've got a you know a mix of hardware vendors and a, you know a, a, a wider breadth of, of of offerings. Certainly in the you know on the global market, right? Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting. So um, yeah, well, we look forward to seeing what what that means. But I guess. You know, based on what we were discussing last week, it seems fairly likely that next month we'll see a new iPhone released. Yeah, um, I think we're, the iPod event rumor is now September the seventh. I think it is. So hopefully we, they might sort of wrap the whole thing together. But there was I saw some rumors floating around about new iPods and an event happening on September the seventh. So let's add to that rumor mill and see if we can spin it up a little bit more. Oh, another rumor in the tech world, eh? Chrome fourteen. Yeah, so this one sort of slipped out into in, in beta, and um, one of the things I was just having a quick read about it was it says it now fully supports um, Mac's um, OS X Lion. So obviously before there was a few compatibility issues going from the previous version to um, 14. There's also, I think they've got some of the, um, the, the gesture, is that the right word, the gesture controls with the new touchpad and everything yeah. work inside that. So um, it was just good to hear that they've got those newer versions coming out, which is nice. Good. Have you guys um, been? Have you guys used uh, Chrome on on OS X to yeah you know, to much of a degree? Any little bit, not much. I've got, I've got it 
I'm just trying to think actually. I've got it on the beta version of Lion at the moment actually. I use that for my main mm. browser. I don't use Safari because I hate Safari. So yeah, no, I use I do use Chrome actually. Yeah, yeah. I've been seeing a few more issues with Safari running on OS X lately, which can be a whole combination of things because you know your browser relies on all sorts of plugins and so on to operate. Mm. Uh, but um, there, there's a discussion that we've had recently about you know um, new. Oh, sorry, I'm getting mixed up with Firefox. Firefox, I've been seeing some issues on with ver- possibly tied into various plugins and. And am sort of yeah, genuinely concerned about how quickly they're coming out with new versions. It's kind of like a service pack, but it's got a bunch of features in it, and yeah. that's going to be every you know six weeks or so. So, so, that, so that, of, that's a great segue actually, because um, Firefox um, six has just slipped on out into the air. Really? Yep. Oh my goodness. So if you go out there now, Firefox six is there. It's a uh, full version on the FTP site of um, the Firefox people, and it's version six. So great segue, Mister Spain. By the way, nice week. Um, but yeah, so that that's actually out there. It was one of the I had it as the second item below this, but I thought I quickly slotted in the head because yeah, uh, for you Firefox um, fans out there, you can go out and get version six right now. I'm going to do that because I, I actually have been experiencing a lot of hassles with Firefox, so especially the plugins. Just crashing, just yeah. terrible. Yeah, we've been seeing seeing a bit of that because um, I use it a lot for the web dev work, so seeing if browse, uh, websites work on different browsers. But in my Firefox, it's just causing me so much grief. No, it's interesting. Um, one thing now, one of the big things with Facebook was besides the social networking was actually the games. And again, my wife is addicted to Frontierville or Farmville or one of those vills that go through. Um, but Google Plus finally has some games going into it. Oh, really? Yeah, which is going to be interesting because this actually could help. You know, I remember when the games got really popular and you had those surveys go around saying, well, if you do you like to do this, this, and this, and send it to 10 friends if you're a vampire reader or whatever it was. And <laughs> um, but Did that's you what, actually click on that stuff? Hell no. <laughs> um, but, you know, so, so Google Plus is starting to get games going through, which actually could keep this thing afloat because if it gets popular... It could. I look. I'm really trying to believe. I am trying to believe in this. But it. Well, it if they can get going. a unique game that everyone wants to play, and it's not, yes. it's not another platform. Yep. Uh, then that, then that's pretty valuable. And of course, you can. Yeah, if you've got enough money, ah, Google. They've just spent twelve and a half billion today, so they, they've probably got a little bit of that, um, you know, green stuff floating around. So potentially, they could pick out, you know, one or two cool game makers and say. Yeah, we'll give you a billion dollars to uh, make some incredible games that are just available on our platform in order to uh, draw in the audience. And a social network that takes off, uh, as we've seen, you know, Facebook valued, you know, in the, heading towards the hundred billion. Uh, it wouldn't actually hurt Google to spend a few billion on, um, yeah, getting some unique products that that operate on. Uh, on their little social network on Google Plus, and that's definitely the key. It's, they can't take um, Farmville to Google Plus and make it um, fly. I mean, no, people will be over Farmville by the time they move to Google Plus. It's got to be something new. I think you'd absolutely hit the nail on the head there. Hmm. Maybe well, they should move small look, worlds into you look Google at, Plus. You look at uh, Xbox, for instance. Yep. You know, it's some of those unique games that are on Xbox that aren't on other platforms that you know have helped to be successful i mean you know same with playstation there are a lot of games on uh the playstation platform that that helped make it the the platform that it is today all right now netflix on we took we were talking about chrome uh chrome oh yes 
and Chromebooks before. Uh, Netflix now available as well. Is that or is coming? No, it's available. It's okay. actually available yeah. now. People are testing it. Um, and Gadget was reporting this about two weeks ago. Then I went out and did a bit of search, and there's a lot more people saying, yes, it's starting to work. So this is great. So for people that want a quick refresher, Chromebooks, cloud-based um, operating system, um, you need to have a 3G slash 4G connection or a wireless connection. Um, some da- Most of your data is stored in the cloud. There is a little bit stored locally. I'm just doing some quick generalizations. But what you can do now is with this really light, quick um, OS is now you can actually stream and watch Netflix across it. So um, the obvious the only thing there is going to be bandwidth um, going across 3G and 4G if you've only got that model. Uh, but yeah, it's good, it's good to see that um, we're, again we're starting to see more things go across more platforms and you know again like Citrix, Netflix is starting to get a bit more cross platform as well. Ah, that's good. That's It'll fly good. on the telecom network. Yeah, will. Now. There's something interesting I came across uh, just a couple of weeks ago. It's called uh, T4E, or Technology for Employment Program. Uh, just launched recently, and it's and it's sort of a um, a trial um, a trial uh, government a tr- a government initiative that's being trialed, uh, targeting unemployed youth. And I heard about this through uh, the NZICT group. And um, the ICT or you know tech industry is is uh, you know suffering a shortage of entry level employees at the moment, particularly things like call center staff. Uh, we're getting that fiber optic uh, rolled out around the country. Uh, there's a lack of of people with some of the skills required to um, f- get that that fiber optic uh, laid out around the country and joined and and, and linked up. Uh, there are other areas uh, like animation where more skills are required. Uh, so this is an interesting program uh, that really has that goal of, of helping people get from a situation of being unemployed to being able to uh, move into some of these fields that require some, you know, with some basic tech skills and, and not necessarily, a, you know, a massive uh, education program. Uh, people can potentially get up and running and get into some of these roles where there are shortages at the moment. So I think that's quite interesting, uh, and it'll be interesting to you know just hear back how they go uh, with with this new program, whether whether it's successful. It sounds like there's a number of businesses that have come on board and are helping to support this, and we'll try and employ those that have uh, that have gone gone through the program. Uh, I've heard they've got you know various organisations such as Divers Group, Microsoft, uh, Computer Clubhouse, and First Mobile that have got on on board to help out. Uh, a number of prospective employees uh, like BNZ, uh, FX Networks, Two Degrees Mobile um, that are that are plugged plugged in there. That's so, a good collection of organisations, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, just for it's something really that, that, that's so new, they've got some good good names behind it. And, you know, if those if those organisations can get involved and we can, uh, you know, help some, some of those uh, that at the moment are, you know, very reliant on, on, on work and income um, and, you know, can move into these roles where we definitely need more skilled people. Uh, you know that's that's got to be positive for uh, for the country and and for those involved. So um, yeah, we look look forward to hearing more of that in the future. Yeah, totally agree. We we've got to support these type of programs out there. We really yeah. do. And if you if you are an organisation that is involved, good on you. Well done. Yeah. Now, 
the copyright amendment bill. <laughs> now we could speak for hours on this one. Uh, there, there's a lot of you know frustration and worry out there from people about this bill. Now it's uh, officially comes into force on the first of September. Yep. 2011. Yep. And Skip, tell us what it's all about. Vent. <laughs> well, yeah. what are the, what are the facts to start with? You know, when do they start monitoring? Uh, you know, what are, what are the risks for individuals and organisations? Because this can lead to people losing having their internet connections yeah. cut off for so downloading the wrong stuff. There is no monitoring that goes on. So the idea is, it's a framework in which a uh, copyright holder of material can raise concerns or a um, with an internet provider about a member of that, that or sorry, a customer of that provider downloading illegal material so this is uh, I think Geekzone actually had something on here um, a couple of weeks ago where uh, local ISP Worldnet got get sent a cease and desist for a customer downloading NCIS for example so the process goes as a copyright holder I see Brad over there and I see him downloading um, my movie um, Smurfs and I say to his ISP Brad's downloading the Smurfs and he needs to stop this and the ISP then has to give uh, go through the process of giving a warning to Brad saying please stop downloading this material. Now supposedly in the past the original um, um, copyrighted uh, law was uh, one accusation and Brad loses his internet connection which was ridiculous because in the States there has been lots of cases where um, people have been incorrectly blamed for downloading things. Now a printer at a university in Texas got sent a cease and desist Notice, an actual printer. This is an inanimate printer sitting on a network, internet address, doing nothing than printing, and it got told it was downloading movies. Now, the that's some that's some pretty talented little uh, printing machine. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's pretty boring being a printer. So, no, the, what you do is you actually, um, in your uh, torrents, you actually can seed or throw in addresses that are incorrect. You just randomly addresses. So I could pick all your home addresses and throw them into my torrent seeds just to sort of throw the scent off a little bit. And that's the problem is that there is, I guess, a little, not a lot of um, groundwork has to go into making an accusation. So the process now is three strikes. Um, basically, I, if I make three claims against Brad's internet address at his uh, internet provider, they can then um, disconnect him off the network and it goes to, but then it goes to a tribunal. It can go to a tri- tribunal to get sorted out. But at this stage, it's basically open slather. I can go, Brad, you're downloading, Brad, you're downloading, Brad, you're downloading, and that's it. The internet provider has to look at disconnecting, and that's when that's at that stage, it's when Brad can actually make um, an argument back saying it wasn't me. So it's a little bit messed up, and it's a really, I guess, it's a really badly put together piece of legislation in the sense that it doesn't actually understand the internet. In fact, on Parliament TV the other night, they were um, talking about Netflix. Um, I think the guy, um, Gareth... Um, is it Gareth Hughes or something? I can't yes, remember. Yes, that's him. The guy from the Green Party was talking about Netflix and... Have um, you been reading our article about how to set up I was just about to say, we're in trouble. <laughs> Who knows? But anyway, across the, um, across the way, the National Party responded, look, I don't even know what Netflix is. And so <laughs> these are the people that are building, <laughs> building the policies or part of building the policies in place, and it's like... You know, there's just a little, not a lot of understanding about things. So, there's so a we lot need to get the politicians of New Zealand listening to the NZ Tech podcast so they know what's really going on. There's an election coming up. Let's run for it. Well, that's right. Maybe we invite them on. But the thing is that um, universities are really getting concerned about this because they are, in effect, ISPs for all their students. 
So if the students start doing stuff illegally, I mean, let's face it, they're students, so they're going to have a bit of a go now and again, um, then they're liable to lose their internet connection. So they're sitting there thinking, well, we can't afford these fines and bills and all sorts of stuff, so we're just going to cut internet access to various aspects of what we do, which is a really bad thing, really bad thing. All right. Another rant. Goodness. See, it's not just me, Paul. <laughs> it's not just me. You guys tease me, and yeah, that's not just me. Yeah. Well, it's 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 good to have it's good to have some opinions, and you know, we would we would definitely encourage listeners to tweet us with their thoughts on that, or you know, drop their comments up on the Facebook page. I think you know these are things that our listeners are interested in hearing about, and we want to keep talking about this, uh, but we need your perspectives in order to be able to share those a little bit more broadly. So, you know, please get in touch and, and let us know your thoughts. I've just uh, had a ch- comment from the chat room actually saying, uh, hey, as a student, I'm offended that we don't, down- we don't download much, much. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there will be, uh, there, yeah, there, there, in every sector there's going to be somebody who's going to, uh, you know, test out the rules. So we're, I think we're actually quite interested to see who will test those and, and what that's going to look like. And whether that, you know, whether there won't be much of it, and the laws don't need to change, or whether we, you know, whether we'll see a shake-up, and this uh, bill needs some revision reasonably quickly. So, uh, let let's give that a, a few months. I don't imagine it's going to happen immediately. Now, in other news, uh, I hear that Samsung have been blocked from selling um, their Galaxy Tab um, tablet. Android-based tablet in uh, in Europe, and there were some things going around last week about something similar uh, in the Australian market, um, due to Apple sort of coming at them with a with a sort of patent lawsuit. So this is more of the patent stuff we've been discussing, but this is really the most blatant one. I would I would say would that be right, Brad, in terms of um, you know actually blocking competing products in the mobile and 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 tablet space well yeah i mean look there's there's two avenues people can take that if you think you're violating patents one's take them to court second one is to which is the most dominant one that we see out there at the moment everyone's suing everyone around patents this one was very uh aggressive from apple to actually go out there and physically stop product that was about to launch so could you imagine the iPhone 5 about to launch and suddenly Microsoft blocking it because of a patent? I mean, that, that's quite a serious thing. And this is, the Galaxy Tab's been released in the US, and it's a really nice product. So, yeah, I, I would say this is a really aggressive move by Apple. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out, actually, with the acquisition of Motorola coming on with Google now. So whether Apple's going to go after them as well. But, yeah, look, I, I do. I think it's very aggressive. And the interesting thing here is that the main thing that... Uh in terms of similarity between you know the the Galaxy Tab and for instance the iPad there are a number of other products that are in exactly the same space yes. so if they can get away with that with Samsung if they can be successful with that there's possibly nothing to stop them blocking a whole range of other devices from from other vendors so totally agree uh, yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's somewhat um if apple wins probably we, we could have some issues yeah we yeah. could so well let's see where that goes now we yes. have the windows phone mango treasure hunt our little competition that we launched last yes. week this is cool, man. We had so many entries on this one. So, yeah, thank you to everyone that participated in the competition. Um, yeah, it was really, really cool, actually. I was actually very surprised from my side. So Yeah. So what we did was we we asked you to uh, search the web for what you you know felt was the, the 
call is the most interesting uh, feature in this new version of Windows Phone 7 or the 7.5 release that's coming out soon. Uh, it's, it's born the uh, code name of Mango. And after having uh, Mark Bishop from Microsoft in here last week uh, chatting to us about Mango, uh, we thought we'd give away a couple of uh, couple of his phones. So, um, yep, thanks to the um, to Mark and the Microsoft NZ crew, uh, we have two phones to give away now. Brad, can you read out to us um, what the messages were? Now, we encourage messages from uh, Facebook or, or, or any other sort of uh, mechanism, uh, but the two winners that we've, uh, we've selected this time have, have come through on, um, on Facebook. Now, if you want to read out uh, what they had or what, what were the features that they liked, and uh, then we can cover off and uh, we can tell uh, listeners who those uh, individuals were. Yeah, so just so you know, Mark's actually judged these, so not us because we had too many people we knew actually doing this. <laughs> yeah. so, so Mark's actually gone through and put together a short list and then we picked it from there. So this first one I had a best mango feature, according to me, is inclusion of Twitter, LinkedIn, and Windows Live Messenger data into each contact on the People Hub, along with existing Facebook data inclusion. Uh, this feature is unique to Mango and lets me see updates of my friends in a single place. Okay. Chaitanya Muti Kamuli uh, is the uh, the winner's name. So congratulations on that one. And if I have pronounced your name wrong... Paul Spain at nztechpodcast.com. <laughs> hey. <laughs> now you're talking. Okay, so the second winner. Best Mango feature. That won't actually get to me. No. You'd, you'd need a little dot or something in there somewhere. Um... Paul's dot Spain. Uh, the thing that gets me the most excited for Mango is the LinkedIn box and the integrated conversations bringing text, Facebook and MSN all into the one place. Why? Because I use multiple email accounts for different purposes and having them all in one live tile will be beneficial, especially if there's an easy way to discern what account the email has been sent to. As for the conversations, being a teenager, communicating with friends is crucial. So with Mango offering this feature, getting in touch with friends and getting a reply soon is a lot easier. And the winner there is Blair McCleanand. So, so congratulations. Uh, yeah, congratulations to both our winners. Uh, thanks, everyone, for entering. I was clear there is actually you know, quite a bit of interest in this new platform. Uh, I know when we gave um, away the um, an Android handset a little while ago, there was a lot of interest uh, in that one. And, yeah, great to uh, great to also see, uh, see the interest here in the new Windows Phone 7 uh, Mango platform. Uh, and, yes, some very, very cool features coming through across... I mean, all of the smartphone platforms at the moment, great innovation, heaps of competition, absolutely loving it, and uh, looking forward to um, to this continuing. There's a little party going off in the uh, chat room because Blair's actually in the chat room. Oh, <laughs> really? Right now, live, <laughs> yep. listening in. Oh, well, Blair, we'll speak to you once we finish this show. Yeah, just just stay on, please, man. on the chat room yeah, for us. that's cool. Now... Uh, We've had some hardware we've been able to play with, haven't we? Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's right. Just about uh, just about missed that. Now, um, we've got Skip there in the corner hugging the HP uh, touchpad um, with its nice, funky little uh, case on it. Uh, now... I had a I had a good play with this, you know. Brad and I had, had a play with it in the states, and then you know we've had uh, we've had one to try out over the last week. Skip, you were making some interesting comments to me last week that hey, this might be the device for you. You were quite interested in um, in, in maybe buying one. Now that you've had one in your hands for a few days, hands on, what's the verdict? Well, uh, yes. 
<laughs> let me set the scene. The um, so I've actually been sick all weekend, so it's been great to have this device. And so I haven't had a uh, tablet to play with for a while. I even I even even got an iPad. So I mean that's sort of uh, where where my bases is from. The similar size uh, device to the iPad we one, basically the same size screen and so on, right? Yeah. On Friday we spent a lot of time weighing up the uh, different versions of iPads in the office. It's about the same. It's about the same. So probably probably slightly bulkier, but I think it's mostly the case that makes it bulkier. Um, so anyway, uh, display wise, it's very similar. I um I actually quite liked it. You fire it up, it's quite easy to use. Uh, the interface is um, very slick, very fast. Um, I liked the multitasking, being able to drop in and out of apps and being able to flick them off the screen when you're finished to close the apps. That was quite cool. Um, the, um, the tablet apps were awesome. They looked great. They ran really well. I really liked the marketplace that they had, the little app marketplace, the HP That was one. pretty stylish, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, so it's, sort of, uh, it's, it's a marketplace, but it has a magazine attachment to the front of it. So you can just sort of flick through and read sort of a magazine, and it just sort of highlights some really cool apps or stuff like that. So that was quite slick. And being able to change the orientation on the pad made the pages do different things as well. So they've really worked hard on that integration, and, and, sorry, interaction on your orientation of your um, tablet. However, yes. Ooh. So uh, we, we have got a question from the, the chat room for Cyrus, who has been a great fan of ours. Um, how many apps are in the marketplace? Was there a lot there when you guys are looking? There is quite a lot of apps. Yeah, the this is, I mean, good. it's not a big quantity when you compare it to any of the other platforms because it's brand new. No. But there, the, the apps that are there are reasonable in terms of quality. Now, there, there was a gotcha with the apps that yes. I noticed. Yeah. Did, did you come across the when – you, when you first go into the uh, – Marketplace or App Store, whatever they call it on this platform, it asks you what what country marketplace do you want to see, and if you choose New Zealand, you have no access to the paid applications. Is that correct? I didn't see that problem at all. That, well, <laughs> that killed that one, didn't it? Well, maybe they've changed it. They lasted a while. They I don't may know. have changed that in the last week. When I was looking last week, the day before oh, I okay. handed it over to you, when you chose uh, New Zealand as your location. Uh, you had a different set of apps. Oh. So did you see a lot of paid apps in there? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did, actually. Okay. So yeah, no, either I mean, you se- you selected a default US option and yeah, just maybe next, I did. maybe I did. Uh, and you were looking at US dollars. I was just uh, so keen to get my that. hands on this device. And um, The one thing I didn't like about the marketplace is that they have bundled the tablet apps and the pre-apps together. Now, pre is the Palm sort of palm uh, small handheld smartphone, smartphone right? type thing so you download an app you put it up on your device and oh it's actually turning up in a big tablet screen in a small emulator window of Ooh. a pre oh without it telling you that it's not yeah. actually designed for your big screen yeah, so that was a little times as big as that yeah that was a little bit disappointing on that mm. side of things um, and there was a couple of apps which looked like they were ported straight from Linux, which is there's no problem with that at all, uh, which required keyboard input. So <laughs> one game I was playing sort of said the steps to go to your next move, press Control Z, and I'm sitting there thinking, uh, can't even pull up the keyboard here, so I'm pretty much stuffed on this app. Right. Um, that's a bit poor in terms of quality control, isn't it? Yeah, so I mean that's probably more a developer thing than anything else. Quick question from the chat room again. Um, antivirus, do they think we need to have antivirus on, the, on these type of devices? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's only going to be a matter of time before we actually start seeing malware and stuff appearing on these devices. So, 
Um, I mean, antivirus company is going to be busy for years to come. Yeah, I mean, security is important, whatever device you're using, yep. because you're going to be linking into email, possibly internet banking. In, in fact, the internet banking one was an interesting one because I tried to use a touchpad last week to go to ASB's website and their main homepage wouldn't open but came up with some sort of an HTML error. That was weird, yeah. Weird, right. weird, yeah, when I did that on the touchpad. So their browser may be a little bit rough around the edges, but that was the only thing that I I recall noticing that had uh, had browser issues. But yeah, most other sites were, were fine and there were even other pages within the ASB site that were fine. So, uh, Look, overall I really enjoyed the experience of the, the, um, the tablet. I, uh, I quite like it. It's got some good apps. Um, some of the um, tablet apps look very slick. Um, I think it's just waiting for some marketplace development, basically, uh, that's really going to make this fly. Um, it was simple, really nice. The, the only downside is some apps drain the batteries. They just wouldn't go to sleep, even with the screen off. And uh, even with the screen off, the lap, uh, the device flattened itself. Yeah, I found that overnight that the whole battery drained on one occasion, yeah. and I'm not sure why. I think it's more to do with apps than anything else, apps that just don't go to sleep. Um, but I, you know what? I think this device has a lot of promise, a lot of potential, and um, really for the bang for buck, it is actually not a bad offering. I mean, it looks as slick as an iPad. It's probably not as slick in terms of the apps, but um, it looks as slick as an iPad. So I, I might be interested in this. And, and you can plug it into your PC, and it will actually stand up as a USB drive. Oh, that's cool. Which is quite cool. That's very cool. So getting data on and off this thing is not going to be a hassle. And there's obviously a um, Citrix client for it as well. Yeah, that's right. Because we've yeah. read about before. Yeah. yeah. Now, I um, I quite like it. And um, yeah, depending on how the pricing goes, I might, might actually well, look at getting one. interesting you should mention pricing because we did uh, we did raise that on, on the show previously and there are all these things going around about pricing of, um, you know, Adidas, uh, you know, All Blacks. Uh, jumpers and so on and price differences between New Zealand and and, and uh, other markets and we raised it on the show last week and so I emailed uh, HP's uh, you know PR uh, people last week and said hey what's happening in light of uh, you know US price drops on the product and in light of our strong uh, New Zealand dollar so we were sort of looking at the touchpad as a $799 uh, $799 product last week yep uh, I got an email back within uh, three or four hours of that request highlighting those things, and they said, we are dropping the price to $679 for the 16-gig product and $819 for the 32-gig product. So Paul Spain is an influencer in the market now. He can actually push <laughs> down the prices. Can you go on and get the stock market working for us, please, and we'll all be happy. <laughs> so uh, I thought that, yeah, it was interesting timing, but it, uh, yeah, yeah, for a moment it made me uh, feel as though I was influential, but uh, I think we just hit them at the right time because they did it right across Asia-Pacific region. So there you go. Now, uh, next week I want to chat a little bit about... Um, the Lenovo ThinkPad X1, which is a lovely uh, laptop that I've been using for a little while with an SSD in it and 3G and all sorts of cool stuff, but we're out of time for this week. So that's us. We're going to wrap up. Uh, remember, as usual, you can find us online, and if you want to look up our article about Netflix and those sorts of things, uh, come to nztechpodcast.com. Uh, we appreciate it. Anyone who wants to uh, join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. If you're on Twitter, uh, at nztechpodcast is where you'll find us. If you're not on Twitter, 
actually you should be so check it out and just a quick run around skip what's your twitter handle at urban kiwi at brad Bohr. and mine is at paul spain so very easy that's us thank you all very much for listening in and we will catch you again next week on the nz tech podcast see you everyone have a nice evening bye